You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Yes, that is correct. We are here again for yet another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I don't know what happened, but again, is typical with the case with me and my computer. For some reason, I don't know, the music didn't come up for some reason. It, it's there. We heard it. I know it's going well. <laughs> I'm joined in studio here, as always, with the technical director of uh, the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association, Sean Lothar. Sean. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. Deagle Vender, community well, director. What's going on? And uh, as been the case the last little while, thanks to COVID, we're uh, on the line with Dano Drummond, the Phoenix director. Dano, how you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Well, you know, I'm uh, very good. I'm, you know... <laughs> the weather's getting way better. We're in the midst of a lockdown, I know, right now. And uh, three weeks is probably what we're in for. Fingers crossed that it's only the three weeks and we can get back to uh, to playing just a normality of um, football for us here at the at the club. Um, guys, thoughts on the on the three-week... <laughs> I don't want to use the term break because it is a break, but it's not a break. But thoughts on, on how this will go? Possibly? Well, they, they had to do it, obviously, with the way COVID cases were going, etc. cetera. Um, so hopefully, people out there are listening to what they've been told and <clears throat> will mask up and not gather and bring the cases down and uh, get back to it. Yeah, that would be a hopeful thing. D, any thoughts on your own stuff? Yeah, no, just uh, just for the kids, just to, to hang in there, you know, hang in there and, and it's time now you can get outside a little bit more, you not really have to be cooped up in your house and go out and enjoy, go out and enjoy, go climb a fence, go kick a soccer ball, go, you know, go get into trouble a little bit. Climb a fence. I'm sorry. Climb a fence and get in trouble. I, you know what? I don't know about the trouble part of it, but I can't remember the last time I climbed a fence. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I remember doing it as a kid, and you'd you'd go between all the yards and stuff like that. You'd be, and there was always one old guy that would always get really mad that you're walking <laughs> on their fence in their yard. So you'd have to either bolt across the fence, and it was really good for your balance and stuff. But yeah, uh, actually, in the UK, as kids, we used to play the Grand National. And we'd just jump the the privets that were called, like the hedges. Yeah, yeah. We'd jump them through all the <laughs> gardens to see if we could win it. And you'd, you'd always have people jump into the fence and break a leg. And <laughs> oh, stuff. Yeah, that was part of it. That's just what you want. <laughs> Dano, did you do any fence climbing when you were younger? Um, Probably did go retrieve a ball I kicked over a fence. But yeah, I don't know definitely. if I walked, walked along a fence or not. But uh Hey, no time like the present, I guess, right? Both climbing and in trouble. That was his childhood growing up, probably. In 100%. South Africa, he was there. So, well, yeah. not necessarily so much in South Africa, but around here, you know, playing in the backyard and smashing, breaking breaking fence boards and, and kicking the ball into the street. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, we've all I mean, done that, I think. I've broken a many fence board. Not intentionally, <laughs> of course. No, not intentionally, but you know you got to work on that technique, right? Oh man, the the trouble we used to get in by just <laughs> doing that type of stuff was just unbelievable. Yeah, but it was it was cool. I mean, everyone knew each other in the neighborhood, and yeah, even even the families in behind the fences, and yeah, it was good times. Good times as a kid. Yeah, I think the only trouble kids get into now is when they get malware on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what a difference, huh? I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of days where. We used to build makeshift go-karts and we'd go, 
you know, to these, we, we had, in, in where I grew up, there was an area called the dunes or sand dunes. And literally it was just these big sand dunes <laughs> off the river. And we used to drive go-karts down these crazy hills. We'd build ramps to go off. They're like stuff that if parents saw that, they'd be like, oh my God, you are going to die. You just can't do that. And you're right. Now kids are, oops, I've got a virus on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to throw my nephew under the bus here. Uh, <laughs> the, the other day, um, I get, uh, I get, uh, woken up by, uh, what are you doing? Get back down here. So my nephew goes and he's on his computer playing with some, some games and, and he goes and, uh, he knows the password for my, for my sister's, um, uh, iPad or whatever like that, and he he's playing this game that you need to buy gems for. Oh, so oh no! <laughs> he ended up buying fourteen dollars worth of gems on on this game, and my sister absolutely lost it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing like uh, looking at your statement and yeah. going, "But where did this come from?" Oh, so funny. <laughs> I kind of chuckled inside a little bit. It's not a good <laughs> thing. Not a good thing. Um, Listen, let's let's switch gears here and actually talk club stuff. Although this is great, knowing uh, what everybody's doing club wise. Um, thoughts on well, just just sort of a layout. It's I know it's only been a couple of weeks since we last had a show, but uh, any new developments? Any thoughts of uh, what direction we're going in? I know there's some some things that we're going to be working on in the in the tech department for for the season. Hopefully, coming up in twenty one twenty two. Um, any, any thoughts, uh, Sean, on, on what's been going on? Uh, yeah, I think right now we're just, we're planning yeah, and planning and planning and planning, but, uh, <clears throat> we do have some requirements with, our with Canada soccer in regards to a national youth club license, mm -hmm. getting in some player pathway documentation and looking after those administrative things from a technical perspective, which I'm working on and all the guys we've worked on as well coming up in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. we're busy doing that. Paper, paperwork type of stuff yeah. and planning for the indoor season, although it's, you know, six months away or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, we all want to be out on the pitch and we of can't course. get out there. So, Especially with the weather it. changing the, to a positive nature. <laughs> for us, no more snow. Things look green. Yeah, for sure. Any uh, any thoughts from yourself? Same idea, right? Yeah, I, I would same, imagine. Same idea. There's, uh, you know, Canada soccer's evolving uh, over the course of the, you know, the ever always evolving i guess you can yeah. say and you know there's some skill centers that uh, need to be come into place uh you know hopefully sooner rather than later they're supposed to be in place for 2021 but that looks like it's going to get pushed back so um you know getting in line with that working with sean um and dano working along the lines of getting uh that uh program you know up in and and talked about and, and getting the outlines out for that and then up, up, uh, updating you know some of our grassroots standards uh, to Canada Soccer guidelines. Um, that's mm -hmm. that's down the pipeline. So working on that documentation and and, and whatnot, and trying to go uh, you know follow along those lines and, and making sure that we're we're not following um, you know behind the game. Yeah, and we again, it's other things we've talked about before, and uh, I'll throw this at you, Dano, because I know that it's it's part and parcel with what all of us seem to be working on right now, and that's the youth license for the club. And uh, all of us in this uh, on this podcast are actually going through licensing right now. Where for me, I'm just starting. I'm at the beginning of the license that I'm taking. You guys are a good chunk of the way through it. Um, how is that going to lend itself to the Phoenix program and onward? Actually, before Dano says that, just a, 
thanks to Dano for being my editor because I've been sending some lesson plans for the National Youth Club license <laughs> and he's been going on there and editing for me. So that's good. <laughs> that's awesome. Had a keen eye. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be great. Dub. I think everybody, even on this podcast right now, are all in during the goalkeeping, and you know, he has gone through the community and just finishing up those pieces and started the youth as well. And Sean and myself and some of our technical leads, um, the technical staffer and the youth. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to raise the standards. It's going to challenge ourselves, as coaches, and reflecting and thinking within about our best practices and what we can give best um, back to the players, which is what it's all about. So. Obviously, it's going to be a requirement for the AYSL, um, and, and we're getting that um, set up and ready to go and making sure that we identify the next group of coaches we want to come in to take these courses. But I think it will lend itself to be uh, really, really well for our program. And I think it's an opportunity now with downtime. It just gives you a chance to, to dive into it a little bit further. So it's been good um, with that and just connecting with some other clubs and colleagues on it as well because... We're in COVID times, right? We're not in the classroom working on it together, so it's nice just to reach out and chat the game through with some people. Yeah, I, I find that the most interesting part. I've, I've been in conversation with a couple of different keeper coaches around this neck of the woods, so uh, and we're all, a couple of us are in a panic just because we haven't been in a classroomy type scenario for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Um, although you've done courses and we've done other things, it's, it's just not the same as when you get involved with these... Um, larger scale licenses uh, that take a little bit more time and they're way more in depth than, than what you're used to. And then like you've just alluded to, the, the whole COVID thing just doesn't lend itself to um, just putting you in the same position that you would be in while taking these courses in the past. Without COVID, you'd be on field. You'd be doing so much more interactive stuff and you'd be in a classroom or at a facility with all these other people and and uh, compatriots within the game that you would be working with and chatting with and um I, I know in a conversation i had with you sean we, we we actually we both said you learn so much more from the guys around you that you're just talking with than sometimes that you actually get out of the course 100 percent. you know you, you bounce ideas off each other <clears throat> you look at what they're doing they look at what you're doing you know you steal a bit of this, get rid of some of that, and uh, you, you move on, right? So that personal interaction is essential to, to have a good course, and unfortunately with the COVID, we can't do that. We'll get back there eventually. I mean, online learning is not going away. It's going to stay. Yeah, it will be, It'll be part of it, but it won't be all of it. No, and I think the distance thing makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm just wondering... If they can, I mean, if you obviously, if you live in the same area with a bunch of people that are doing the same course, I'm sure at some point there will be an opportunity to get together with that group even, because with national courses, it's across the country. So you're getting people from all across the country involved. And obviously it's not, you can't travel between provinces, but certainly you could work with the people within your own province. You'd hope. Um, Again, depends. It's it's only a three-hour trip between Edmonton and Calgary if you if you had people that were down there that you're working with. Um, I only recognized a couple of names on our course, the, the goalkeeping one, um, from this area. So I, I think it makes it a little tougher yeah. <laughs> when you don't really know anybody um, to be able to hook up and, and, and get some definite interest and understanding from them. Yeah, I mean, in the past it used to be, you know, give the A license, for example, it was away for 10 days. You'd have a year separation and you go back for another 10 days. 
I think what we'll end up doing is have that 10 day reduced to two to three days, two to three days, and then go away and come back and do another two to three yeah. days, but do a bunch of online work in between those, yeah. those two weekends. And that, of thing. that makes, that makes total sense. I, I, I just really think that, you know, as you, as you said before, just makes a world of difference to be able to do that. And if we can get back to that, that'll be that much better. Yeah. And I know that, um, you know, with the coach education program, it's, it's ever evolving again, you know, during these COVID times, I think that, uh, for some of us that have been able to, to take courses throughout this time, I think that we've been lucky to be honest, because, um, most of us, our jobs on pitch and yeah. our jobs out there and we're with players all the time. And you see the, the amount of work that you have to put into these courses. <laughs> um, I could see it being draining. If, it, if you're just in an online capacity, right, for some people. Well, I, mean, I know for myself, you know, I'm you know I'm working at an academy during the day. I'm working at the club. If I was on pitch every day until, you know, 8.30 at night, um, you know, five days a week, four day, you know, six days a week, that's, that's going to be tough. So, And that's what worries me because yeah. we're actually at a point, the course that I'm on is just starting. Yeah. And we're almost, you know, we're, we're a few weeks away, hopefully at most a month away from, some sense of normality on field again and and that's yeah. got me worried yeah absolutely and i'm and i just started the youth license as well and we just um i think we had some pre pre-work that was due this past weekend so we've already got some of that stuff in so mm-hmm. um I, i'm actually I'm, I'm wanting them to to start putting on the putting out that first block now um so there's that two weeks where i can you can, can jam into it right so but yeah um it's yeah it's uh it's gonna be different different type of scenario when we go into being back and we're back to full on working again and i have to apologize to dano because dano was in the flow of doing some youth license stuff and uh we threw the podcast at him well done dano. hey any anything for a podcast you know this is where i got my third and like you said psn came calling us so no problem, <laughs> no problem. happy to get that oh fantastic fantastic <laughs> hey listen you know what we, we've been bantering and, and chatting a little bit club stuff and uh we're going to take our first break here so uh when we come back we're going to touch base here's something i'm going to throw it at you dano so you can mull over we're going to talk about the correlation between goals scored and possession in matches you can handle that, Daniel? We'll see. Okay, we'll see. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. And we are back. Yes, this is Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Now, with the commercials that we do in between these little segments, they're not very long, but they already say that. I think I just like <laughs> repeating myself. It's a, it's a common and factor. Back. And we're back. Yes, live with <laughs> the show. <laughs> so when we left, we started talking about the, uh, well, just about the game and the correlation between goals scored and possession. So oftentimes we'll be watching games. And we'll throw it at the at the pro level, but I mean, it, it happens at every level. There are times when you'll see the amount of possession that a team has, and it's not necessarily the team that is winning. You know, you can see a 60-40 split in possession time, and yet the team with the 40 has capitalized on their chance when the other team hasn't. So, oh, you know. I mean, we can talk to Daniel about that one. Oh. <laughs> that was Jose Mourinho. Well, <laughs> just, just in general, I'm going to throw it out there. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Do you think that's 
Do you think the more possession is totally going to lead to goals? I mean, it obviously leads to, it, it, you can't score without having possession. So Yeah, I, I think for me, DW, it lends itself to it. Um, it increases the likelihood, but I don't think it's a hard and fast rule. I think that's becoming more and more evident in today's game. Um, Steve made the comment, me being a Spurs fan, that I speak to it. Um, you know, when Tottenham played Man City, for example, I think we had maybe 30% of the ball, right? We just sat in, low block, counterattack, and, um, you know, exposed City when uh, when they're at their most vulnerable times, right? And they won the game 2-0. So it just shows you that, you no, know, you don't have to have possession for a large majority of the game in order to, to win matches and, and score goals. But it does lend itself to it, right? I mean, you look at City now, and they're going to be bossing games and going to have the majority of the ball, going to create the most chances, therefore you're going to score the most chances. Um, but like I said, it's not a hard and fast rule either. Yeah, I think it comes down to the matchup of the squads. Um, you know, you like Daniel said there, um, a city squad, they know what they're going to do. Possession-based team, they've you know got skill all over the park. Um, how can you slow them down? How can you take away you know passing uh, lanes? How can you take away their 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 half spaces? How can you take away you know what they need to be successful? So it's about how you match up against the squad and the players that you have. Um, you can you can say you want to play possession. You can say you want to do all these things, but if you got players that have two left feet and they can they and they can you know they can run backwards faster than they can run forwards. You, how can you play that play that style of play? Mm-hmm. You know. So I think. You have to be able to be able to know who you're matching up against. You have to understand, you know, what your style of play wants to be a, a, as a group. And I, I think possession will will for sure lend itself to potentially get gaining and, and having more opportunities to go and score goals. Um, but there's also opportunities for teams to to retain possession of the ball quickly in counterattack and and be in those transitional phases, right? So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things at play. Yeah. So, I mean, you've played at the highest level, uh, Sean. So, uh, obviously, you've played in games, I'm sure, where your team probably didn't have all the possession, but did really well, ended up winning matches, uh, and vice versa, uh, where you've played and you've had a ton of possession, and I don't know whether you would have drawn or... I'm not going to go to the loss thing, because I just don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, several games where Mexico had lots of possession and hammered us. (laughs) You know, obviously. Watching those games, Um, by the way, crazy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, possession just on its own isn't enough. That's to be possession with some purpose to it. Mm. You know, so you can have a team that just plays the ball around the back and keeps possession, you know, from the right back to the centre back, the the centre back to the left back, and then just go back and forward. You're not doing anything. You're just making it easier for the the team you're playing against to get organised. So... There has to be some purpose to the possession that you have. And you have to go at players and take and, you know, break lines and take players out of the game. That's what, what to me, is possession is all about, is having some purpose to it and knowing the end result will be a strike on goal or crossing the box or whatever. But possession, just for the sake of it, means nothing. Yeah. It's what you do with that possession. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. I mean, we're in the we're in the the game of developing players. Um, do you do you want to develop a center back that uh, completes sixty four back passes in in a match, or, or how do you want to develop that player? What I think that when it comes to talking about possession, when I talk when it, talking about style of play, 
we have to make sure that we're putting the players in those roles at, uh, and giving them the opportunity to, to, to create, be successful, and then also to fail, but not be heavily reprimanded for something like that. So I think that the thought process of how you set up your team is, 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 is going to be taken, has to take into, a, into account for, for making sure we can, you know, make those players improve. Yeah. And I, and I think we went through an evolution over the past 15, 20 years where it was very direct. And then we got into ticky tacker, keep the ball all the time. And now it's a, a blend of that, you know, so we look to go forward when it's on, but we keep possession when we have to, mm-hmm. to allow the opportunity to go forward. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that to me, that's what the game is about is keeping possession, but with some purpose. Yeah. So Dano, your thoughts, uh, as far as, um, just, just you, the teams you've been on and, and around and, uh, you know, whether they've been not necessarily possession based, but what are your thoughts as far as, have you found that sort of the team that possesses the ball is the one that's doing the scoring? I mean, I think when you, like you said, we're talking about, you know, the top end of the game when we're talking about Man City and, and Spurs being, you know, working with Mourinho and he's known to set up defensively and counterattack. But when you're working with young players and developing, yeah, if you can, um, you know, be an advantage of being on the ball. And like Sean said, obviously a possession with purpose. I think that's something we would all agree with that, you know, there's no sense of just keeping hold of the ball to keep hold of it, but it's got to be, um, got to be with a mindset to do something in you know, zone three and four. So I think when you're looking at youth development, for sure, those teams that are going to dictate the game, take the game to the opponents, be on the front foot, are definitely going to be the teams that are going to be more likely to win the matches. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes that makes the most sense. But I, I, I really, you know, go back to what Sean was, you know, alluding to with you have to have a purpose behind what you're doing on the field. If you're just possessing a ball for the sake of possessing it, you, you, you know, that doesn't, there's no sense to it. There's, yeah, you're going to end up in a lot of draws if that's your mindset for, because obviously if you have possession of the ball, the other team's not scoring. So, but if you're not, if you don't have that purpose to go forward and to look to get shots off and to score, well, then you're just running in circles for no reason. For sure. And I don't think, you know, working within these games and our tech leads and whatnot, you don't want to leave it to chance, right? And just, you know, assume or, or hope that, you know, you have a better athlete physically or whatever the case is at, at the young ages and stages of maybe 13 or 14 or 15. But, you know, trying to get your philosophy as a coach or a tech lead in the game model that you want to implement across to the players and making sure that they're understanding it and, and learning off of that is going to is going to assist in helping their development too, right? So I think I think that's key as well. I think what what's important as well is, People seem to think that possession is keeping it short all the time. You know, having those five, ten-yard passes, lots of little adjustments to create passing lines, etc. But good possession is, okay, it's on to play at 30 yards now to get a play into space to attack a fullback. That's still possession. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can't get caught up on it. It has to be always this or that. passes of five to ten yards. It's not. It's like... Uh, like just adjust things. I mean, yeah, you know, go long sometimes, keep it short. I mean, to me, that's the way we have to do it. Yeah, for sure. And I, th- I think it boils down to a little bit of, of understanding, you know, both sides of the game. Um, what are you going to do in the transitional moments? 
how's your team set up um, to when you lose possession of the ball? Because that's when when teams will take advantage. Because if they're in a good defensive block, that's when teams will take advantage. So, understanding, being detailed with with what you what you want your players to do when you lose possession as well. Um, because it goes both ways. Yeah, you can have the ball all you want, but if you can't make it a recovery run, you're gonna you, to get to the proper spot to get into cover. You, you're gonna be hooped. Doesn't matter how long you have the ball at your feet. Yeah, I mean, and it's why you you do passing drills with with the younger players, and you'll do they like a short, short, long. Uh, I mean, it it lends itself to the whole possession game where you're not just um, working as you were just saying, Sean, with the shorter ball, and and you were just mentioning as well. It, uh, it's a point where you have to, you're trying to draw players in and create open space that you can play that long ball into for, for your strikers mm-hmm. or a wider midfielder to, to get onto and, and start attacking with purpose the goal that you're trying to score on. So back to the original question was, does having possession correlate to score more goals? I think it does, but it's possession with some meaning behind some it. Some intent. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that makes total sense. So for, for all you younger coaches out there that might be listening, uh, don't you can't just say, well, we need to possess the ball, we need to possess the ball. But you, you, you've got to have a reason behind possessing that ball and an intent for what you want to do once you have that possession. So something definitely that we, you, you'd want to work on. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a nice fluffy little thing. I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, let's switch this up a bit. Well, let's start talking about, Leagues that happen within countries, uh, in particular, obviously, we're in Canada, so Canadian, and then even, you know, with the United States, so we got lots of listeners in the States that uh, um, tune in, and we can talk a little bit about the influence of leagues within a country. Um, and I know uh, on the on the sheet I've got in front of us, we talk about the economy of it, and, and sure enough, there's going to be some ramifications economically with with having a pro league in your country to some degree um maybe not as much in north america as it is in 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 europe um although soccer or football is the is the world game uh i think that's changing a little bit i know it's the number one recreation sport in this country um and uh, although it's, I guess we're we're a ways away from uh, having it be a mainstay as far as it being the number one sport. But everywhere else in the world, with the exception of uh, North America, it's the number one sport in, in there. So having leagues within your countries, thoughts uh, as far as, because I mean, we've had the NASL, the North American Soccer League here. And I think at that point, it was huge. You've played in it. And uh, Sean, and uh, you know, I think I remember going to watch those games and and the influence, seeing it on the news, seeing it in the newspapers. Uh, the NASL was huge. Yeah, I mean, I played in the NASL from 1984, so five seasons, and the league folded mm-hmm. um, when I was 22. Uh, and it, it was a big league, you know. I mean, at the time, you know, the Vancouver Whitecaps were as big as the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Uh, there's no question about that, so bigger than the BC Lions at the time. Uh, the crowds we got were, were massive. And it was, you know, good for the economy, obviously, have it, having that, because we'd have Seattle fans come up and stay in Vancouver and stay in the hotels and all that sort of stuff. And likewise, we'd go down to Seattle or Portland and fans would come down as well. So definitely has a, an impact on the economy for sure. Mm. But I think the trickle-down trickle effect has more impact on it where – 
you have people involved in the game. Um, youth sports brings billions of dollars into the economy because kids are tra- kids and their families are traveling to games. They're buying all the equipment. So the more uh, the more impact you have at the, the higher levels, you get more more kids playing the game, and that has a bigger impact on the economy. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, you, I've just seen it throughout the my obviously tenure in, the, in within this game, and starting from going to watch uh, the Whitecaps in the NASL at uh, at the at the old Empire Stadium. Um, surface was crap, but hey, what a place to see games. Well, in 1983, when we moved moved into BC Place, our average attendance for the season was about 35,000 fans. Yeah. You know, going from Empire into BC Place and selling out there a few times. So, I mean, that's that was big. That's massive, you know, for sure. Really big. It's big anywhere. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that we've been we've been seeing uh, a lot in our country over the over the last 10, 15 years. Um, when it comes to the MLS and, and having Canadian teams in the MLS uh, with the CPL now as well involved, mm-hmm. um, that gives another pathway for, for players. Um, we see down in the States how the MLS has is, is, is created um, a, a massive, massive industry down there. Yeah. Uh, and the NWSL and the way that it's kind of taken off uh, over the last, you know, course of the last, you know, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing, you know, professional athletes now getting getting back you see a, a, a naomi osaka um you know be investing in in the washington spirit you see alexander ovechkin uh putting money into into uh washington spirit as well too um so you're seeing that there there is there's avenues for some of these professionals that are in other sports that are are investing into soccer mm-hmm. and i mean the United States. Let's let's just talk. Um, let's just call a spade a spade. They're the 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 best. They're the best in the world at developing women's footballers. So I, I I think them in general too. And, and this goes back to Dano. I don't know if you it was it was it part of the, the, the in order for them to get the World Cup. And I'm trying to think of the one they had in the states. What year was Nin- that? Ninety four. Was it ninety four? Yeah. Go ahead, Dano. Yeah, yeah, it was ninety four. Yeah, and, and <laughs> sorry, uh, thanks for saying that. Um, <laughs> no, but I was just saying it was part of them getting into that 94 World Cup and hosting that was they had to have their own uh, league at home in the States, and that's how the MLS developed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so it was like the next year, wasn't it? 95 was when they started, or was it 94 that they started it? No, I think it was uh, either 95 or 96. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean it, that that's why they got the World Cup. Yeah. It was part of the part the of the deal the to agreement get it. Yeah. To, to get it. So they also tied in the Women's World Cup, right? In 99, I think that was that's just it's been a springboard, right? And you look at the MLS now and you know there's expansion clubs and franchises being bought and you look at it and you're like, "Wow, this is this is quite the standard to have this league set up in North America, right?" But you know, they had to start somewhere and you look back in their mid nineties of uh, the penalty shootouts, I think it was from like the 35 yard line yeah. and just, just different ways of doing it to try and gain audience and gain traction in, um, you know, a region of sports that's dominated by football, basketball or baseball, right. And, and even hockey to a large extent. So I think Canada with the CPL and everything else, and it's great. We have some MLS franchises. It's just, just on a smaller scale and, you know, trying to build it up. So, definitely the right pieces in place though 
That was the best part of it was them opening things up to more of a North American type league by the MLS allowing, because it was supposed to be an American league, obviously, to start with. That was the agreement they had. But uh, allowing Canadian franchises into that league has, has made a world of difference, both for them, I think, to some degree. I mean, we've had championship teams from Toronto in, in the MLS and some other teams. Montreal's been close a couple times. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's just been a really good thing to see. Uh, I don't know if we'll see more Canadian. I think we should bring back the NESL, North American Super League. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> the Super League, yeah. It's just sort of a European version. Will that last a couple of days? <laughs> will, it be, will it be like Bex, like Bex and Inter Miami, and and who else? Who else will be in there? <laughs> I've I've yet to see an, an Inter Miami game. They're they're on. I've, I've yet to see them play, but we can we can get to talking about the them in a minute. Hey, listen, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to open things up to. Uh, Again, I know we've been discussing the pro leagues and things like that, but let's get into the EPLs it's as they get down to the last bits of their performances as well as the uh, Champions League and Europa League. We'll chat a little bit about that when we come back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. Yes, we're back. This is Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Ah, enjoyable topics, enjoyable conversation. I'm, en- I'm enjoying the show. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show. I can't speak correctly. I've got well, my. I hope you're not uh, blinded by my Bafana Bafana kit that I've. <laughs> it's pretty spectacular, actually. <laughs> Dano, you're missing the show and a half in this in this room here. Yeah, but all the listeners are going to want to see a picture of this too. So. Well, you know what? They you may will. see a video ah, of this. We're there we're, we're toying with some things here that we're going to go out in uh, social media and throw some stuff out there. EW's got some things up his sleeve. <laughs> oh, there's a joke in there somewhere, but we're not going to go there. Um, yeah, so we alluded to it before the break. Uh, we are. Coming back, we're going to start to talk about some of the pro leagues now that they we're winding down. I say some of the pro leagues, let's be honest. Um, again, I got th- I got a shout out from uh, Steve last week about uh, throwing a, throwing got, his name into the mix. We got to get Steve on. Steve's got to be on. Just to, <laughs> he can he can lend his ear to the uh, the Italian league and where things are going. And Steve could be an influencer now with how many mentions he gets uh, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he gets far too many. He's like, is he getting royalties every time? The team no, no. I, I just think it's pretty funny because he was the one that was always complaining that we wouldn't talk about the Italian league, and that wasn't the case. It's just. Uh, you know, for us, what's his team? You know, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. Is it Juventus, Milan? I think you can go safe with like Juventus or something like that. Yeah, maybe it's Sampdoria or whatever those. <laughs> what are those? Or Sampdoria? Steve, call in. Call Steve, in. Steve, call know. us in. Let us let know, us know. exactly. Who are you supporting so we can follow them. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I I love watching. I don't mind watching the games. Some of the games that I've watched recently, um, or mostly their Juve games, it seems that I've been watching, but. Wow, some of the this seems to be a, a, a lot of parody, and I don't know if it's to do with COVID and things like that. But there's a lot of really close games in that's most of the leagues. That's because all the best players have left that league. <laughs> <laughs> all the Italians are playing in <laughs> played elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, going to finish outside the top four. I think that's the word. Yeah. Oh, you think so? Because I know they were in fourth the last time I saw the table. Well, when did you last see the table? Well, maybe it was last week. 
<laughs> well, you made it sound like it was they're, like I don't you don't look at things, Dano. What's going on? They're sitting, they're sitting fifth right now. So oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, outside looking in, Inter Milan has won the league right-handedly with Conte there. They've got a pretty good group. So wow, yeah, it'll be interesting if Ronaldo wants to go and play in the Europa League. I was just going to say Europa League football for Juve. Crazy. Yeah, good. That's going to be good for so, that. Let's think about this. Juve are fifth in the <laughs> Serie A, yeah, but they're going, now going to be part of the European Super League. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, something I, wrong with that. There are some <laughs> things that are definitely wrong with that. Um, let's Steve, Steve will argue. What's wrong with the Serie A? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Before we talk about the Champions League, let's go to the EPL and talk about how things are finishing up there. And we know that's. Well, there was never any doubt Newcastle would stay. <laughs> I was never concerned during this season at all. Um, well, they have oh, stayed yeah. up. They had some good performances down the run here. The last little little bit here to keep themselves up. They've also had some help with some teams not faring too well. I felt for Fulham the other day watching them play, and they just have nothing, nothing to offer as far as goal scoring or anything like I, that goes. I don't feel for them. No, <laughs> I remember they got a good young squad though. So Fulham, yeah, they do. I, I think the only reason I actually started enjoying watching Fulham was because Van de Zara played for them when he first came oh, to yeah. the English Premier League, or I guess it was, was it the EPL then? Was it first, the Premier League the or Premiership? Was it, maybe or was Div One or it's first division? Was yeah, before the Premier League. So he he played for them, and I I was a huge Van de Zara fan as far as the goalkeeping goes. So I, I used to enjoy watching them play. He would hold them in games for sure. Yeah, he's massive. I think he went there right after his United time. It was like early 2000s, I believe. No, it was, it was, he was there before we started, he went yeah. to United. He started at Fulham. Yeah, maybe it was before. Okay. But I think it was still the Premier League. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Or, or the, it might or have or just the that English trans- Premiership or the Barclays Premier League. There you go. Something like that. I I just, it just depends on who owns the league. <laughs> I guess the, the banks do now, but... <laughs> Uh, the owner of Fulham then was Al Fayyad, wasn't it? The, the Harrods owner. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Wow, that's going back a ways. But uh, so Tottenham, where are they going to end up there, Dano? Uh, I don't know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Just finishing up the season, just <laughs> moving on to August. But I think the biggest uh, question mark is who's going to take over for them um, for their next manager and. I don't have a clue right now, to be honest with you. Nothing out, too many rumors. So. I was just going to say nothing out there on the rumor board that sort of lead, lends itself to... Benitez, maybe? Wow. What? Benitez? I haven't, well, I haven't heard that one. Um, Rogers was one, but I don't think he's going to lead no, Lester. No, no chance. No chance. I, I, I wouldn't blame him. Um, I, want, I, want to see um, where, I want to see where Hansi Flick lands. Um, former... Bayern Munich manager, so I don't know. Was he season over Germany, though? That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard the same, but you never know. What about our friends at uh, Liverpool? How are, how are they going to fare? Well, big match in uh, half an hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're actually playing today. Yeah, playing today against United. We needed three points in order to, to keep us afloat. Um, for any thoughts of Champions League a spot, um, yeah. Where, stay there. where have you landed right now? Whereabouts are they as far as the... We're in sixth right now. We're, we're th- that's Europa, s- isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's Europa League. Um, there's a couple things at play, though. City, Obviously, City and, and Chelsea are in the... Um, in, in the Champions League oh, final, I keep I keep um, forgetting that it's an it's both 
both sides are the Europa League is all England and the Champions no. League. No? no, no, Europe is just one, just just United. I, I must have, I must Real. have messed up There's, on one of the games. Yeah. Real's still in it. That's right. That's right. So, like, out of the top four in the Premiership right now, they're all in in European um, finals. Yeah. So, there's a lot of things at play. So, if let's just say a, a United wins the Europa League, <coughs> and um, and whoever else, City or Chelsea, win the Champions League final, and they both all stay in the top four, mm-hmm. then there there's potential for an extra Champions League spot that goes to the fifth place team. So, um, we can finish fifth. <laughs> maybe, maybe so have you have you got a chance to get there? Yeah, well, Everton. You got a game in hand on on West Ham, who's ahead of you by one point. And Everton beat them. And Everton beat them last week for us. So, well, that's a bonus. To, oh, I mean, you know, anytime that uh, anytime that the the neighbors the neighbors the, do a job for you, that's pretty good. Yeah, thank the neighbors. So we got we got where are we here? Newcastle ended up in sixteenth, so they're w- well into the uh, happy zone. <laughs> they got twelve points on the on the team that's trying to catch them. There's no chance that'll happen. No, yeah, they uh, they've done well lately. Um, so hopefully, the sale of the club goes through, which <laughs> has been a saga in itself. Isn't that been going on for like twenty years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but um, you know, hopefully they'll get some funds to buy some new players and. Uh, Put together a good squad for next year. What happens if it's an American group that buys them? <laughs> I only say that because oh, I got man. all these people are complaining and yelling and screaming at the American ownerships that are going on in the uh, EPL. Uh, I don't care as long as we get a new owner that wants to invest some money in the the playing staff. I would assume that regardless of uh, any time you get new ownership, they they got to spend the money. You you can't make money without spending money, so. Uh, they're going to have to try and do something to, to make it work. Uh, I mean, they're, they're Sean, up there still. Is Steve Bruce going to keep his job there? If the club isn't sold, definitely. If the, mm-hmm. club, if the club gets sold, I would assume the ownership group would want to bring someone new in. Yeah. Big name guy. Yeah, which is... It could be you. I could be your next calling. <laughs> I just don't know who's available. Like, yeah, we're, talking about, we're talking about Tottenham, right? And who's available to, to go there? Like, who wants to go there? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Dano's been working on these licenses. I think he might get the call one day. <laughs> Dano, if you, need a, if you need a first team <laughs> assistant, let me know, okay? <laughs> No, no, that would be very scurred to hire somebody like me. So that would be too well with or, our club. And just or could Ryan, could Ryan Mason just run with it for, for the next season? Eh? 28-year-old uh, first-team manager? How awesome is that? Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think he's, I think it was a good chance to get him in. It was a weird timing um, to move oh, Mourinho. So something. It was a week before a Pat Mourinho Cup final and first time at one one forever. So it was oh. very weird time. But um you know, the the little bit the uh, little speck of my imagination is just thinking maybe if PSG just don't win the league and Poch gets fired, <laughs> then it's just Bring you know, Poch back. <laughs> Bring Poch <laughs> back. Just that standing on Twitter. I just like him so much. We could finish tenth, and I'm just oh, whatever. We got watched. Like things are things yeah, are in shambles exactly. right now. Well, I mean that, that for me is is another thing in itself. It's like do 
I don't know. I was going to say, do managers really matter? Well, of course they do. There's managers that do. You look at, you know, Pep and how well he's done there. You look at, uh, um, <laughs> what's Liverpool? Klopp. Klopp, Klopp, yeah. You look at Klopp and what he's done in Liverpool. And uh, at what point do they start to say, well, you know, this guy is the right guy or that guy's the right guy. And, mm-hmm. you know. Well, Graham Potter at, uh, at, at Brighton, Hove Albion has done a wonderful job there. Uh, you can see, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like him maybe taking uh um, the next step, and and then there's a there's a Sean Dyche at Burnley. Um, I was having this conversation with uh, with a, a fellow colleague of mine of like, what would uh, what would Sean Dyche? How would Sean Dyche work in a, a setting like a Tottenham or a setting like a a Leicester or something like that? Because you look at Sean Dyche's teams over the course of the last like five six seasons, and it's like that atypical you know, big, burly type of player that, you know, and then they're great on set pieces, things like that, and they just get the job done. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, the hard work. It's like, how would somebody like that fit into, um, you know, you know, getting into a, a squad that has, you know, a different, you know, money. You have more money to, to spend on players. They can b- bring in different, you know, resources. Be interesting because he's done great. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I also think to myself, you know, how, how much leeway do these ownership groups give the new managers that come in, uh, as far as maybe not less than not necessarily the purse strings and and how much money they can spend, but they're obviously given free reign as soon as they come in, or is the law laid down? Because I, I, you know, I've got someone that we both know who who was who took over as manager of, of Southampton at one point, and it was totally totally driven by the chairman like the chairman had designs on he was a manager in his own mind so a lot of a lot of what happened with the club was more determined by the chairman than it was the actual yeah. manager that they brought in um how much of that do you think actually still goes on and i'm assuming it does but and the chairman isn't there anymore but 100 percent, it still goes on yeah you know but the top managers make it quite clear before they get the job, this is my my team. I'll do it my way, no interference, right? So each 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 club is different. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it would be a, a toughest thing in the world to try and do is to make sure that you're bringing in that right person to to, to manage the team, I guess. And to like you said, the top managers that not only do they command top dollars, they 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 want carte blanche to be able to do what they need to do to get the club going. Well, some of them like to get fired because they got a lot of money. <laughs> I have to say, the guy that uh, my friend who uh, was at Southampton had just signed a new three-year deal and within three months was out. And it's like, wow. it's like, are you kidding me? So he gets a free, you know, three, four million pounds, whatever it was the, the that he had left in his mm-hmm. contract and just to walk away. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's unbelievable. A, anyway. Um, shout out to uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this with uh, <laughs> you know whatever. Shout out to uh, Chelsea Football Club, um, first club in history to have a representative in both the Champions League and the Women's Champions League. So the women did well then. Yeah, the women are yeah. So Emma Emma Hayes and and her and her squad is uh, the first uh, the the first club to have a representative on both the male and female side. So it's that's pretty uh, pretty epic. Wow, it was. It, I'm trying to think of how long the women's Premier League's been going in England. I remember the last time I was there. It's well, the women's it was like yeah, 2004, women's, and it was sort of fledgling at that point, but it was there. 
Well, they they invested a lot of money in the women's super league over the course of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they've opened the purse strings up and um, they've brought in a, a lot of American players. Um, you know, I mean, you look at uh, Man United; they've got Christine Pre- uh, you know, Christine Press and and Tobin Heath and Man yeah. City have brought in um, Rose Laval, and they've brought in some of those players that were playing in NWSL and brought them over to. To England. Europe, yeah. Um, Chilena Sidorsky, captain of Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Um, you know, she just signed on with a new season. Yeah, you, um, teams yeah. in France have done the same thing. PSG has done it really well. Lyon's done it really well as far as bringing North yeah. American players in. Yeah, it's it's been great, and we see some of our Canadian stars and you yeah. know playing in France a lot. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's been it's been great, but yeah, Jesse Fleming uh, at Chelsea as well. Yeah, uh, playing for that squad, and and if you ever if you've ever taken a sound bit from from Emma Hayes and you watch her speak. She's yeah, she's incredible. She's incredible to 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 listen to and and to watch some of the her teams play. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. So congrats to them. Good for Chelsea. Yeah, very good. Good for Chelsea women. I'll support Chelsea women, <laughs> but I don't think I can support their men. <laughs> what's what's the Spurs women's team like? What's that? What's the Spurs women's team like? They're not bad, to be fair. Do they have one? Yeah, I'm just yeah. curious. Some of them don't. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Most most of the most of the bigger clubs, I think, do. And yes, I'm putting Spurs in there, Sean. Um, <laughs> how many how many are in the women's league? Seat? How many number of teams? Uh, I'll tell you this right now. I think there's there's 12 teams. Liverpool aren't in it. We got relegated last year. Oh, it's cool. well. So what what happened was that we were in the relegation battle last year, and they ended up canceling the season. And they didn't end up going and finishing off the season, so we were in that last uh, relegation spot. So that's how we got relegated. Wow! Yeah. And it was funny. I remember when I the first time I you know knew about the English women's pro leagues. Uh, they some of the teams I'd never heard of. Doncaster Bells. Yeah, yeah, they were one of the biggest teams. Uh, they were for years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just interesting to see these. And I don't. I guess they're lower level clubs as far as the men's. Groups go, but they were the top end of the women's game. Uh, obviously, the first ones to take I think, the steps I into think it. Durham City had a team. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. sounds sounds familiar. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing for the game all around to 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 make sure that there's you know equal leagues in both sides of things. You know, lots of players out there. Things look great here in North America as far as the women's game goes. So that's 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 an interesting thing as well. So yeah, yeah going, going back to what we were talking about before about like countries and leagues and things like that. There was an awesome, awesome, awesome post that that I saw on Instagram the other day, and it was it was uh, the Man City goalkeeper, female goalkeeper, and she was kitted out, and, and it was a poster on the wall, and and there was a little a little girl, and she was kitted out, orange boots, and and everything, and and the the caption one is is if she can see it, she can be it, and it, it was amazing. It was amazing to see, and and we need that in our country. We need a women's gate. We need a women's professional league. We need a women's team. If it's an NWSL, I know that's on the docket for uh, the strategic plan for Canada soccer, and and but we need that. We need that more often than not. And you see it, see it. It's the proof is in the pudding. You you look back at us when we our Canadian national team won the the bronze medal. Um, at the Olympics, the surge, the surge of, yeah. of of the of the sport in our country was great, but it also put the other countries on notice. So you look at um, Spain; they they actively invested in their women's game. England, 
they've actively invested the Netherlands, all these European countries, China, even going into Asia, they've all actively invested into the women's game. And you're seeing these women's programs um, are becoming more successful now in Canada's kind of, we're still there, but if we want to get ourselves into that same conversation, we need to have one for, for our, our female program. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm one of the biggest proponents, at least that I've seen mostly because I'm friends with her on Facebook and things, but Seth LeBay constantly talks about, we need this, that line you just said, yeah. say that line again about the, if she can see it, she can be it. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's a huge line that makes so much yeah, sense. So if it's somewhere, I mean, again, we, we, we talk about players and, and, and them being able to see games YouTube, uh, all these different social media platforms where you can actually get matches and watch the female game, watch your favorite female players training, playing, all that sort of stuff is out there. I I think it just makes it so much easier if you can just flip on a, a channel that's on your television to watch a live game as well. Yeah, we've had this discussion in the past. Yeah. But at the end of the day, until you can actually go and see it live and it's there for you in your backyard to yeah. go and watch it, it's not it's not the same impact. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> you, you need to be able to see it. So, um, and, and everybody's working towards that right now. And uh, hopefully in the next year or so, we're going to see that. And, and, and that'd be a really good thing to see. Um, listen, I, I don't know if anybody's got anything else to add. We're sort of uh, at the point here where we're going to uh, wrap things up. What do you think? Dano, are you okay? I'm okay, buddy. Have you made soup for lunch already? I have not. I just have a glass of water here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to make a suggestion, though. Every podcast, we should have to wear an actual soccer jersey. Wow. I'm down. I mean, well, give D, D went all out today. D did go all out you today. Know, put on his South African jersey. Nice Love to see it. You know, I th- I think we should I think we should do that. I've only got two jerseys. It's going to be found one that fit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm lucky. I've gone the other way. Well, until COVID hit, I'm starting to build back up again. I may have to pull out the double X's, but um, yeah, I'm in. I'm game. I'm game. We could do that. We should we should see if we've got some SPDSA kit. Let's you know. It's I've got some, I've got some throwback classics from the '90 Tottenham one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, but we're gonna have to get you in here, brilliant. or we're gonna have to get your face up on a screen somewhere. We'll have to do a a, a Zoom type uh, podcast where we can actually see you in your kit. Next level, next level just for the, sure. Just the jersey, not full kit. Okay, you okay. Know what? <laughs> yeah, no one wants to see your legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I want to thank uh, Sean. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's great uh, again. D, thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Dano, thanks as always. Cheers, buddy. No worries. We'll let everyone get back to their uh, licenses now because that's, that's, that's the name of the game as far as the workload goes. But, hey, thanks. If you have any thoughts, any um, ideas that you want to throw at us in regards to the podcast or what you want to hear here on the show, uh, feel free. Send us a note. And that lovely email address is, you always have it off the top of your head. I don't. Office at spdsa.net. There you go. That's the one you send it into. Um, ask for Sean. He'll just call you back. No, I'm, kid- <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll, we'll get back to you or we'll take the ID and we'll just run with it. So looking forward to uh, seeing some of that stuff come in. I think we may have to do a Chillin' with Schillen episode too, just so we can hear some German and, and have some contests going on at the same time. Um, 
Blaubeeren. Just to confirm, sorry guys, just to confirm, Andy called me while I was on the show and um, I texted him and said I was on the podcast and he says, why am I not on it? I'm like, hey, we want you on it, so let's lock him in for two weeks from now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting, honestly, we send him it every time. He's, he's more than welcome to be here, but... Uh, that's what I told him. He chooses not to be for whatever reason. All right. So the demand is out there. I need those people in Germany to uh, phone us in and to make sure or send us a note. Uh, let us know that you want to hear chilling with Schillen. Everyone's going to want to hear it anyway. That is, you know, Blaubeeren <laughs> was the word of the day. So, um, all right. So thanks for listening, folks. We will be returning in the next couple of weeks here uh, with a new episode of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll see you again. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.